And welcome back to another edition of 30 Rack of Sports. It's Tuesday, November 8th. We are back, ready to talk some football, ready to talk also a little bit of, little bit of round ball, fellas. Uh, NBA in full swing, Cavs on a West Coast swing, but playing some good ball. Bearcats, Buckeyes, everyone across the state starting their college basketball season Monday night. So a whole lot to talk about. Some basketball, some football, some fun or not fun wagers that were possibly made over the last couple of weeks. Uh, starting off with our introductions, of course, for 30 Rack, Ohio Sports and Beer Podcast. To my right is, this is might be one of the craziest things that I've said on this show. Uh, a man who's out of the three of us is rooting for the worst NFL team record wise <laughs> out of the three of us, the three and six Green That's Bay Packers. Awful, it's Zach. Zach, how are you feeling? I'm just still numb. First of all, I love that outside of the state of Michigan and Wisconsin, you couldn't even really watch that game unless you pay for one of the packages, which I don't. I'm a sucker. So I love that it wasn't on TV. I love that I only had to read about it. Yeah, but they pretty Jordan much, Love Air. I'm calling for it right now. They Let's pretty much it. would just come Split in about the pasture. They would pretty much just come in on red zone to see Dan Campbell make a wildly ridiculous like, uh, you know, go for it on fourth down and run like a really long <laughs> developing pass play. It's or watch Aaron, good, or watch was... Aaron Rodgers throw a pick in the end zone. That, those were the two plays. That had to be the most terrible game to watch, either, just for either side. Even I know Lions fans are st- Jack, but from what I read, that didn't they didn't look great either. <laughs> Well, the good news is, though, your Buckeyes looking to stay in the top four. Kind of a, a chippy win over the <laughs> one-win Northwestern Wildcats. A windy game. Thank uh, you. I don't know what everybody doesn't get about uh, Gus. <laughs> a lot of Gus. <laughs> and some rain. And unfortunately, some uh, consequences, which we'll get to. But not as many consequences as the man to my left, uh, the Bengals fan, who... Probably, thankfully for him, we are one week removed. He got a big win over the Panthers. Um, probably, if we did a podcast last week, he would want to flex himself out of this spot like the Bengals got flexed out of, uh, what, two weeks from now, Sunday Night Football. It's Josh. Josh, coming off a win after a very debilitating loss against the Cleveland Browns. How are you feeling about this Bengals season? We'll get to it a, you know, a lot uh, both teams roughly at that halfway point, eight and nine games, you know, respectively, Browns and Bengals. How you feeling? Fine. Just fine. Just fine. Yeah, just fine. I mean, uh, this is where we were last year at the bye week, five and four. Uh, and just, I mean, last year we also had a horrible, I was there, soul-crushing, unbelievable, <laughs> what is happening before my eyes, lost to the Browns. And it didn't matter. Well, Joe so, Mixon. Uh, I hate Joe Mixon now. Uh, I love Joe Mixon. Uh, I have. It's like and, Carolina Panthers forgot. I, I guess I should say I hate Carolina because I lost because of his. He went off for like fifty plus points. Yeah. Like, after after like refusing to do anything of note against the Browns, he decided yeah. to just run over. Well, what the Panthers fired like all their defensive coaches after that. Well, so. Yeah, uh, I mean, uh, still five five touchdowns. Uh, great, great for anyone, but especially if you were now, now there's some, there's a lesson in this here because I was worried, very worried that, uh, without Nick Chubb, who is my other running back in fantasy, that I would be dead in the water this week. So now that Joe Mixon's on the bye, is Nick Chubb due for a 50 point fantasy week? I don't know. 
Well, that uh, that <laughs> that brings it over to my next point. Uh, you guys have some wild bets to pay off, and I'm actually joining you because I'm an insane person. You, Greg? who not just thinks that Malort is delicious, but also thinks after some talking and too much time to stew on this, maybe there's a path for the Browns. My name's Greg. I'm yeah. the host and your insane Browns fan. There's an opening. Oh, my God. Oh. And I will talk us through this. We'll be overly optimistic. And you know what? The best news is all I can be is disappointed. And that's been my entire life as a Browns fan. But you know what will not be disappointing, fellas? We've got an awesome beer from up near Columbus. We've got a new brewery alert. Pew, 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 pew. And uh, a lot to get to. I mean, like we said, basketball coming in hot and heavy early. Well, not really hot and heavy. Kind of some stinkers of games in the in the first day some of those were pretty heavy uh heavy heavy dumpers there (laughs) some big dumpers but uh then we talk a a little bit of uh, nfl football we get to our second half previews of the browns and the Bengals. what's going to happen are we going to see either team in late january we're going to see neither team in late january all i know is to get to the rest of the season guys we're going to need to drink Guys, our beer of the week comes from Worthington, Ohio, on the outskirts of Columbus. Uh, probably, I would guess, the furthest down alphabetically of any of our breweries. I don't know. I'm. You'll have to check that for me. It is Zaftig Brewing Company. It is, there. is the 26th letter of the alphabet, so... So I've heard. So, I've been <laughs> so it would be the lowest down there. Unless there's like a, a Zumptig or something. I don't know. ZU or something. I just... uh, right. Whatever. We are drinking their Juicy Lucy India Pale Ale. It is 7% ABV. Uh, just their, their normal, typical IPA. So uh, Zaftig, if you fellas aren't aware... Is actually a Yiddish word. Oh. Yiddish. Mm-hmm. Zaftik, which literally means juicy. Oh. So hopefully we've got a nice juicy IPA to enjoy from Zaftik Brewing Company. Almost 10 years old. Never had a juicy IPA before. <laughs> they started uh, as Worthington's only craft brewery company in 2013, still around. So. Oh, wow. oh yeah. That's definitely juicy and an IPA. Um, and obviously, I'm being facetious. We've had plenty of these lately. So a lot to go on and compare it to. Uh, but I think it definitely hits the juicy mark. That's the mm-hmm. first I, thing I look for. I think there's a lot of phony hazies and juicies out there. This sure is juicy. Yeah, and I think, I think the one thing is this, this is their, uh, their flagship beer. Um, and, you know, going off of it, it hits all the flavor notes. It still has some hop to it. It has that juicy flavor to it, a little bit of the fruit notes. As far as something that hits every one of your, you know, kind of benchmarks as far as a juicy IPA, mm-hmm. this definitely hits all of it. Uh, Zaftig also has a pretty wide variety of beer. Uh, some of their others, uh, the chance could have gone with the Wee Heavy. 10%, but their Scotch Ale. 
Oh man, we uh, should have a, a wee heavy on sometime. Uh, we should have a you have you want to go with a barley wine sometime? They have a big barley wine, 14 percenter. There you go. Uh I believe in Santa. Their holiday porter is recently out, so a whole lot out. Oh, oh that sounds good too. One that's a nod to you, Zach. Oh yeah. Closet troll. It's the Imperial Milk Stout. <laughs> All right. Uh there's uh <laughs> Uh, there's an interesting thing I found on here just scrolling through their Instagram is that they've posted about uh, games such as Bengals versus Dolphins. But, Are they a Bengals uh, bar? I'm not seeing any. Oh, oh okay. Browns versus Steelers. Oh, okay. thank goodness. Because, you know, sometimes, you know, in Columbus, you got to pick and choose your battles there. Oh, yeah. I know. For I feel sure. like most people go with Cleveland. Yeah, they do tend to lean Cleveland and Columbus a little bit. Of course, a lot of Pittsburgh fans as well, I feel like. Yeah, there's also a lot of Pittsburgh fans in Cleveland as well. well <laughs> too. Yeah. That's not that far. <laughs> Defectors. Disgusting. Disgusting. Yeah, well, I didn't say it wasn't. I just. No, it's a good beer. It's a good beer. It's really good. Uh, they also have a brew pub that uh, also uh, features a uh, coffee roaster. Coffee roastery? I don't know how you would. Uh, in uh, downtown Columbus. So you can get some Zaftig. Food, some Zaftig beer, some Zaftig coffee. Oh, oh man. I don't know if their around. coffee is... Ju- I've never really had juicy coffee, so I don't know if it's juicy <laughs> coffee, but... If it's anything like their IPA, it's definitely a good one that we're going to enjoy and uh, sip on for the rest of the show. Guys, basketball is back. Started off in the association with the Cleveland Cavaliers, much hyped after some offseason moves, acquiring Donovan Mitchell from the Utah Jazz. Uh, you know, some interesting expectations. People thinking Mitchell would help them. They were kind of a they were a play-in team last year, did not make it to the regular playoffs, but got into the playoff or got into the play-in, added Donovan Mitchell. Where were they gonna go this year? Well, so far, the returns have been pretty good. Eight and two, second in the East, until last night had not lost stateside. Uh, had an eight-game winning streak until a uh, loss in the second night of a back-to-back uh, L.A. dream against the Clippers, blowing a late 12-point lead uh, to lose to the Clippers. But so far... Cavs have been looking good, fellas. Donovan Mitchell, oh, yeah. over 30 points a game. I mean, Cavs, as we mentioned, looking like one of the top teams in the league, which is honestly a little bit ahead of schedule of what I even thought, Josh. Now, 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 Greg, correct me if I'm wrong here. You've got you've got new newcomer Donovan Mitchell. Uh, yes. And, and you've got basically him and Garland working together, and then you've also got – You've got a young Evan Mobley and uh, Jared Allen uh, kind of also in tandem on the defensive side. Am I correct in this? Yeah, and and during uh, a majority of this 8-2 and two start, Darius Garland out uh, had missed the first uh, five or six games of the season after suffering an eye injury opening night in Toronto. So a lot of it even without Garland, uh, but 
they have those two young star guards and some two and two great young big men because because they they acquired newcomer Donovan Mitchell from the Utah Jazz without giving up any of those young pieces. Am I right in this? Yeah, mostly draft picks and then uh, Sexton, Sexton and Markkinen, who have both been playing very well for the Utah Jazz. Jazz are I think eight and three right now, so it's not like it's kind of worked out for both teams amazingly. I, you know, I, I look across the street there and I see uh, uh, one executive who just won Executive of the Year for the way they Ants. built up their ball club with such young stars. We talked about it on the show before the youth movement in Cleveland, but what you have here is a team that was, you know, had the youth movement going in the past two years. Now you bring a guy like Donovan Mitchell in. I don't know. They could be. I mean, I was high on on the Cavs, you know, midseason mm-hmm. last year, back in February and everything. And he, you were kind of Greg tampering that down a little bit. And you just said that even better than your expectations so far. You'd say. Yeah, I mean, the one thing that's uh, that's been, I mean, great about them is you know both offensively and defensively. I think there was still some worry as far as guard play defensively. Mm-hmm. You know, whether or not you would get it, whether or not you would get solid uh, minutes at the at the small forward position, but right now I believe they're top seven or top eight in both offense and defense in the league. So if you're putting together, you know, good offense and good defense, uh, you know, you're going to keep yourself oh, in yeah. a whole lot of games. And when they got that, they got a ready-made veteran scorer. Yep. Isn't that something you think they probably missed in the past years? But yeah. That Mitchell kind of brings just a guy, you know, you can, I'm not saying he's probably up there, you know, Durant or anybody, but he's a guy that you can lean on. You need to get a bucket. Yeah, and I think you know, especially missing Sexton last year, and Garland's mm. a, a great player, but you didn't really have that, you know, guy that could kind of take some of the pressure off the guys right. in the low post, uh, be able to get open shots, someone that kind of could draw the defense out a little bit, and then I think also it. You know, having the four players like that, it allows you to kind of space some people mm-hmm. out. You know, you can have Mitchell gets a rest and you can have Garland out there. Right. And, you know, Mobley gets a rest and you can still have Allen out there where you kind of are, are a couple deep at every position. And Which I think that's also for... been important where, yeah. like, you know, guys like Kevin Love has been really good. Karis Levert in spurts has been very good. Dean Wade, who was basically an undrafted guy that they just picked off of Kansas State, <laughs> has been phenomenal for them this year so you know they're not really thin at a lot of positions and with the way they're playing basketball with the effort they're giving on both sides of the uh, of the floor you know they're looking every bit of an eight and two team and you look at you know is it fool's gold well the team right behind them is the boston celtics seven and three yeah boston celtics are seven and one against teams not named the cavaliers so Cavs have beaten them twice, you know, uh, did lose against Toronto, but have beaten several good teams and they seem to kind of, uh, you know, be game to play against really anyone in the league. Mm-hmm. Their only two losses, you know, were against uh, Toronto opening night and like I said, blowing a big lead against a, a good Clippers team. So they're a team who can score on anyone, who can keep good scores at bay, right. can switch play off, defense, can play, play good ends. defense, play long. 
they could be a team that, you know, I was expecting hopefully be just in the regular playoffs, get to skip the play-in game. But, you know, your expectations turn pretty quick to uh, home court, especially with some of the struggles of, you know, at least currently of some of the teams you expected to be there. Right now, the 76ers under 500. The Nets are a dumpster fire. The Heat are under 500. They were one of the top seeds last year. Uh, the Knicks struggling. So there's a lot of openings there if you can yeah. play good basketball early to to kind of get a lead and have a chance to really put a clamp at least on a top four spot. Well, and just going back to the youth thing, you want to like talk about efficiency. They've been super efficient this year and where they ran – on offense and where they ran kind of in the middle of the pack on that last year, uh, third right now, young season, but third in offensive efficiency. And the only other teams really, you know, in the top, the only other team in the top five uh, in the Eastern Conference in offensive efficiency is Boston, who leads the association. But uh, then you won't. I mean, Brooklyn, Philadelphia are down there at nine and ten, who are both obviously struggling out of the gate to put it lightly for one of them. Uh, so you're very much looking, I think, by default, at least right now, yeah. by default and just by well, the way the they're playing, is not this could be a top three Kind of caving in team. a bit outside of you know, Milwaukee and yeah, obviously and it, Celtics. It's a long way to go, though. And it's yeah. not, you know, it, like you said, it's not fool's gold to where it's like, you know, it's not like, well, they're shooting the ball amazingly well. This right. isn't going to be, you know... Uh, Something that they can the keep metrics up. back it up. Yeah, they yeah. they the metrics back it up, and like I said, they played most of the season without Garland. Uh, you know, I know the Pistons aren't a good team, but even they had Garland and Mitchell both out against the Pistons on Friday. They blew them out. You know, they have been competitive and very much in every single one of the games so far this year, mm-hmm. and they are a team that even against solid defensive teams like the Celtics. They stay in games, you know, they were down, they were up 10, then they were down 10, but they keep coming back. And they've had, uh, I believe it was uh, Bill Simmons who called it uh, the Cavalanche that comes in (laughs) at times. And they've just had a couple of times this year where it's like, you know, it's not quite as big as, you know, some of those, you know, great like Warriors or Thunder team Mm -hmm. or whatnot, but they'll, they'll be one of those teams where they'll get a couple of steals hit a couple threes, and all of a sudden, you know, it's a 10, 15-point right. swing happens right fast. in front of you. So, I mean, it's it's at least, uh, you know, so far, very much hope. You know, there's a lot of hope with the Cavs. Uh, you know, still learning to play together, like I said, still getting point guards back. Uh, their backup point guard, Ricky Rubio, is still coming back. So there is some thin, you know, there's mm-hmm. a thin line at the at the point guard spot. But aside of that, they seem to be able to kind of switch in and out, you know, several different pieces. They're still kind of trying to figure out some of their rotations, playing a bunch of different guys at the, you know, three guard that they have, trying to figure out the right rotation. Mm-hmm. But so far, it seems like bigger staffs, you know, push the right buttons. Definitely. Definitely. Well, going from the association to uh, college basketball, as we mentioned, Monday night, uh, College basketball got started finally. Seems like college basketball's just the season. I don't. I guess it's college sports in general because they don't play that much. Yeah, it's just such a short season. You know, it's like four or five months, and then That's really the way basketball's meant to be played. Yeah. That's my problem with. It's, it's, the NBA's too long, man. I can't. I got yeah. one. Le- I already follow baseball. You can't do both. Yeah, and <laughs> you know, you get to like uh, 
really when most people switch over is like first of the year. And then it's like conference exactly. season, people kind of get acclimated. And then it's like all the bubble talk, mm-hmm. all the tournaments, and then the tournaments and then it's here. over, yeah. At least in November, though, you got the kind of the mid-season, early, early tournaments. Oh, you got some interesting um, matches. And yeah, Ohio State's got a nice balanced non-con, I think. That'll be fun. Yeah, yep. both Bearcats and Buckeyes meeting in the, uh, uh, what, the, that's the Maui Invitational? Yeah, the Maui Gym, Maui Invitational. Uh, starting off with the Buckeyes, though, uh, a lot of turnover for this team. Uh, lost uh, five of their top six scorers yep. from last year. Only Zed Key coming back. Do have Justice Suing back, who only played two games last year. Basically been out two but years. But he's basically, yeah, he's basically been out <clears> two years. Uh, Recruiting-wise, uh, Holtman's, you know, once again, put together a really nice class. Uh, his class from the 2022 class uh, was number eight nationally, first in the Big Ten, just ahead of IU and Illinois. Put together another really great one for next year, too. So. Uh, I think they're five right now. Yeah. So four four-stars, one three-star. The one three-star, actually, uh, Bowen Hardman, I. Uh, Princeton kid, uh, and then three transfers, including uh, Tanner Holden from Wright State. Um, so they beat Robert Morris, uh, a school kind of out near Pittsburgh. I believe they're in the NEC. They beat them Monday. Uh, they started the, I guess, the two main returners in Key and Suing, uh, two of the transfers, and then one freshman in Thornton. So thoughts zach on this ohio state team uh come into the season ranked uh you know number 27 in ken palm that's fifth in the big 10 yeah. so looking to be you know uh, a decent you don't, you don't tournament chance don't but know. it's still early you don't know you don't know that's the thing with the amount of transfers like you pointed out i mean you really only have key suing and then um um uh, uh Eugene Brown, who was out. That's basically most of your returners for the most part. Um, and, you know, like you said, Swain's base went out 12 counter months. You know, Brown has generally been a low end. I don't mean low end as a player, but he's been younger. He doesn't play a lot of meaningful minutes. I don't even know what to expect from him other than he's a long, lengthy, very good perimeter defender. But I think it's upside finally. As Holman did struggle quite a bit recruiting wise, I thought for. The cal- you know, they're not blue blood in basketball, but for the caliber program that you had with that Mata had for so long, and some of that carried over from Mata. Um, so yeah, finally this year having a top ten class, which is where I think they there's no reason they should not be in the top ten every year. Um, and then you know I like the um, the transfers, you know, in McNeil, um, he was at he was know, at West, West Virginia. Virginia, yeah. McNeil he adds a deep threat um, from three. He knocked down a few big threes. Um, and then, you know, Bruce Thornton, the guy, the young kid who started the other night, a little bit of a slow start for him. Um, but he's supposed to be, again, uh, an athlete, something I think you see across the big 10, especially at Ohio state the last few years, they really lacked. I thought they brought in a lot of athletes this year, guys who can get to the rack, but just assuming I, that's huge. And it's just Robert Morris. It's a long way to go, but I thought him coming back 20 points, highly efficient, player and he's a way better rebounder than he had the other night but he was scoring so if him and zed key are doing what they did you know zed key knocked down two big threes his first two collegiate threes last night or not last night the other night what is tonight last night. it was last night sorry i think it's wednesday so i'm excited but i think 
like probably the other team we'll talk about too. I don't really know what they are yet or where they're going to be yeah. right now, but I think there's a very high ceiling, a very low floor as well. Well, I, and, you know, it's a lot of getting together. As we mentioned, Tanner Holden, who was the leader of a Wright State team mm-hmm. that was, you know, at the top of the Horizon League. Exactly. Uh, another guy who I saw that, that just kind of popped, you know, looking at, at some of the, the scores and some of, uh, you know, the recaps. Uh, four-star Bryce Sensabaugh from oh, yeah. uh, Orlando. He's 6'6", 235. I mean, he's a stocky kid, but, uh, you know, moves really well. Had 17 and 9. Got to the free throw line eight times last night. So he could be, you know, obviously, especially when you're replacing so much, you don't really know what your full um, starting lineup is going right. to be. But, you know, he could be uh, a kid who has the athleticism and, you know, has some decent shooting to be able to, you know, move into a, a bigger role as the season goes on. Of course, you know, with freshmen a lot, you want to start them kind of slow exactly. unless yeah. you're in like a Duke-Kentucky situation where that's all you have. But, yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and for Ohio State, you know, they're going to, like we said, they're going to have to rely a lot on the freshmen. Uh, you know, Thornton had 24 minutes. Sensabaugh had 18 minutes. Uh what was it? Roddy Gale Jr., uh, another freshman, had 15 minutes. And, you know, obviously the game was out of hand pretty early, so you can get a lot of guys right. some minutes. But still, it's nice to see. It was a nice, I think it was a nice win to start the year. They played some of these pretty in the, their one scrimmage against Chaminade. They weren't, they weren't very impressive. So I thought they, they looked like a. there wasn't a question who the you know Power 5 school was on the floor, and they looked bigger, more athletic, faster. So sometimes... That's the best single takeaway and good experience, obviously, for the young guys. Good play in front of the crowds, and well, spe- it'll be interesting. Speaking of Shamanad, Josh, uh, they actually they played pretty decent against Ohio State in the scrimmage. Also played Louisville in the scrimmage, where they were in that game till the end. I believe they only lost by yeah, eight. That was a good one. Um, Shamanad actually opened up their season, the Silver Swords, uh, from Honolulu. Normally, are part. Uh, I guess every other year now, they're part of the uh, Maui Gym Maui Invitational. Uh, they went to uh, Fifth Third Arena to face the Cincinnati Bearcats. Bearcats uh, won 98-55. to uh, Big game for the Bearcats. Uh, they come in with three new recruits, uh, 35, 35 nationally, yeah, second in the AEC, their last year, thankfully, in the American, only behind Houston, who is a top three team in the nation coming into this year. Uh, one four-star in Daniel Skillings. Uh, two three stars. One of those is uh, uh, Sage Tolentino out of Hamilton. He was a flip from uh, Auburn, so he's a pretty big get. Mm-hmm. And then three transfers, including uh, Landers Nolly, who is a he's like a fourth year. I don't know, junior senior, what it technically counts as. But he started off at Virginia Tech, was uh, on the All Freshman team for the ACC. Buzz Williams left. He went with Penny Hardaway to Memphis, and then transferred out this year. Okay. So uh, he's the, I guess, the big transfer. But as far as the Bearcats, well, um, don't forget about next year. Who's coming? Gonna be bringing that edge. Yeah. Committed recently. Yeah. Yeah. Edrin James. Edrin James right? Jr. The yeah. son. That's. I don't know. I thought that was wild. That's and uh, it is wild. Yeah. That, like it was yeah, just yeah, it so is wild. At first, I thought it was football, and I was like, oh. And then you know, whatever news was, it was like basketball. I was like, basketball. Yeah. Know, just, yeah. See, well, seeing Edron James tweet about UC basketball yeah, is the weirdest thing. Yeah. But uh, the Bearcats, at least for this year, do have 
you know, a lot of veteran talent. Uh, they returned six of their top seven scorers from last year. Um, you know, really their own, their, their big losses were backup point guard, Mike Saunders Jr. Who transferred out and then two like six year seniors uh, at the center position. So a little bit later at the center position, uh, their starting lineup still had Mike Adams Woods, David DeJulius, Jeremiah Davenport uh, brought up Russian big man, who was kind of the backup last year, backup four and Victor Lockin and uh, Landers Nolly. Um, Nolly played great. I think, he had the most points in a UC debut since Sean Kilpatrick in 2010. He had 19. Uh, he was 8 of 13. He was scolding hot to start. Uh, David DeJulius, 24 points. Davenport uh, had 14. Lockin looked great. He was making some like showtime passes. So, once again, not a whole lot that you could, you know, see out of the first game, especially playing a Division II opponent. At home, but, you know, they shot 60% almost from the floor, 40% from three. But watching the game, Josh, it, it looked hopeful that, you know, the program has maybe taken a step forward after the, uh, you know, with Miller cleaning up the pieces yeah. from the brain and debacle. Yeah, you felt good about what you saw. Like, uh, kind of, Zach made the comment, you knew who the Power 5 team was out there. Yeah. And that's the mentality that the Bearcats need to have now. Um, oh, yeah. You know, you, you're the Power 5 team, and I think when you look back, especially, I mean, you can look back to last year's opener. Um, you can look back to a couple of the openers in recent years, or at least some of the early, know, games. Early, early games that you should win, and the Bearcats looked in trouble in a lot of those games. No identity. We're struggling to come from behind in certain situations. Just didn't seem to have a clue or a game plan really about themselves. Mm -hmm. uh, last night was you. You saw how this team should work. You know, uh, Lockin was great, great on the glass, man, uh, and yeah, had some great passes as well. Uh, Landers Nolly, love that addition to the team, and uh, the. The thing that I saw the most is that you had you had a tandem there that I think UC has lacked for a while into Julius and Nolly. Uh, and then, I mean, they were hitting, at least in the first half, at least in the first half, they were hitting threes. Um, yeah, I think I mean, they, they hit like really four well. of their first, I think they hit their first four or like four of their first five threes. Cooled off in the second half. Uh, and I think you know, there was some... Uh, there was some schoolyard time shooting <laughs> going on there in the second half, but it was just great to see them come out and, and look like they're supposed to look. Yeah. I, I think the one thing that is interesting though, is, uh, you know, as far as the three, uh, commits, uh, skillings, Reed and, uh, Tolentino, um, skillings was the only one that actually got minutes last night. He got 14 minutes, uh, he was one four star, four of nine, one of five from three. He looked, I mean, he looked bouncy. He looked energetic. Uh, I don't know if Tolentino, he looked to be in a uh, sweatshirt. So I don't know if that was an injury or if he's planning to redshirt or whatnot, but something interesting to kind of look forward. But looking at, you know, both the Bearcats and the Buckeyes, as we mentioned, going into Maui, these next few games are big because, you know, Ohio's era, yeah. Ohio State starts off against a uh, top twenty ranked San Diego State team, yeah. who's been really good the last couple of years, and then 
uh, UC would start off Maui against uh, a number one seed from last year in Arizona, who has you know historically been a good team. Uh, Cincinnati uh, has Cleveland State, who just lost to Notre oh. Dame College, uh, Eastern Kentucky, and then in a game at Northern Kentucky, part of that let us use your basketball gym for a year and we'll pay you back kind of deal. Yeah. Um, Ohio State has uh, Charleston Southern and Eastern Illinois. So neither team really facing high-level competition until it jumps up pretty quick. So oh, yeah. this is, you know, really... North Carolina there. This is well. a really important... What, I think, you know, you have three games in Maui, so you don't really know who you play, but I think the next game Ohio State has after Maui is Duke. You they know, also who's play a, North Carolina, too. Yeah, they play North Carolina. I mean, Cincinnati, you know... Cincinnati's uh, schedule leaves a bit to be desired. Yeah, a little bit to be desired after least... Maui. I mean, they have they, they do obviously have the crosstown shootout, but really the only uh, ranked number on their so right Ohio now State is Houston. State goes du- at Duke, then they get a, a St. Francis. They have that random Rutgers game. Then they go to North Carolina. So it's about about two weeks. They go from right after Thanksgiving well, th- to... through Thanksgiving, because you're going to go, you know, 21st, 22nd, 23rd, I guess. Oh, yeah. No, I'm talking know, from Duke to North yeah. Carolina. You got about four weeks there, but yeah. So uh, some interesting, you know, some, some real a real interesting couple weeks uh, just based off, I mean, still really early, and I guess this can kind of be our, our preseason prediction, but uh, right now, you know, Ohio State, 27th in Ken Palm. What does that mean? Who knows? The 27th team at the end of the year last year was Michigan, who had, like, the weirdest resume in the world, but they got in as an 11 seed. Uh, Ohio State was 31 at the end of last season. They were, like, a 9 seed. UC at the end of last season was 101. They're 51 right now. That's where, like, some of the high mid-majors, like Mm -hmm. UAB, who won the Conference USA, was last year. So to leave it on this, uh, Ohio State, Cincinnati, Either one of them a tournament team, both of them, none of them. Zach, what do you think? Um, I'll be real quick. I'll just say both. Yeah, I'll say both, but I think both need to have a good Maui tournament. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, sure. well, I especially think Cincinnati UC. needs it more. Yeah, especially UC. I think Ohio State's got a few more yeah, games later yeah. than get. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna say, you know, both are right on the bubble. I would say both probably double digit seeds. Mm. You know, just barely slipping in there because you know UC has to take a big step forward. And Ohio State really has to handle, you know, all the new pieces fitting together. So there could be some growing pains for both. Oh, yeah. And we'll see and we'll be on top of it, you know, as the season goes on here on 30 Rack Sports. A lighter brew made to become your everyday beer. This delicious IPA is double dry hopped with citra and raku hops and delivers a citrusy punch full of fruity flavors, namely papaya, apricot and guava. It does have good fruity notes to it. Yeah. Oh, it definitely does. Got a nice color to it. You taste a little bit of apricot in there. I don't. I don't. What? What is the papaya taste? I don't really know what a. Uh, how many papayas do you think you've had in your you've life? Never had a papaya. How Over many? Under... How many things do you think you've had only in a beer? You're like, oh, it has this, and it's just like, oh, I've never had that before, but I've definitely had it in another beer. Oh, a million. <laughs> several, several fruits. Yeah. Several fruits. A papaya, for one. I don't even know what a papaya looks like, I'll be honest with you. It's like... (laughs) 
I think it looks kind of like pearish, but like bigger. What? It's like big and green. When's the last time you had a pear too? I feel like pears have gone like by the wayside. I've never really like. You know what I remember I'm having pears? Huge... The canned pears at elementary school lunch that you know they just threw on oh, the yeah. That's probably the only time in There's... my life. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's why I don't like them is because I, I, I always think of them as, as like... Yeah. But yeah, they kind of look like almost long pears, but they have like mm-hmm. a bunch of seeds in the middle that look like uh, almost like a pomegranate. I have had pomegranates. I don't know why that's come up more for me, but yeah, I don't think I've had pears since like, you're right, like sixth like, grade lunch or whatever. Yeah. Anyway, this is a really good. Uh, this is a good IPA here from Zaftig, Juicy Lucy. What do you guys? Uh, what are you guys' thoughts? Big fan. I really like it. I like the guava in there too. I can really get that. Again, another. Sorry, another fruit. I looked that up. I was like, is that actually a fruit? Never had guava, but no. You've it's definitely really had guava in beer, though. Oh, in beer, like many a time. Um, as far as guava-based beers, this definitely top of the list. Uh, <laughs> I, I mean. I'm just going to say this, you know, this is a great flagship beer because I think it's one of those that if it's your first trial of a brewery, you want something that is either like way out there that you remember or something that hits the style exactly mm-hmm. how you want. Like um, uh, just off the top, of my, like uh, Esoteric's Coffee Kolsch that is, you know, really well done. You know, Brian oh, yeah. Geist's Truth, which is really well done. This is in that same category where, it's not, you know, it's not one of those like, and it sounds like they do have a couple of, of interesting out there beers, but their flagship juicy IPA, it's juicy, it's fruity, and it hits all those flavor notes. You guys, you guys want to, want to have a, a good uh, beer advocate re- reading? Yeah. Oh, I love, I love these. <laughs> uh, this one's the very first one on the Juicy Lucy from Zaftig. I don't know if I'm going to be able to do this. The suspended pulp isn't a good look. (laughs) (laughs) What does that mean? Shut up. up. Though I suppose it does make sense coming from a beer with Juicy in its name. This is an IPA, sure, but it's overly hopped up. Gives me a headache. Makes my mouth pucker. Is an IPA not supposed to be hoppy? Uh, I just got to do one more line of this. One more line of this. The f- the feel is balanced. The feel is balanced, but tight. <laughs> what? All right. Uh, first of all, first of all, that guy definitely had never had a crap beer before. I mean, because this is very good, but for an IPA, I wouldn't say this is like overly. I didn't think it was no, either. even it's, near very like well, hoppy or bitter. I'd I say I, for me, it's on the little low end. I was gonna but, say. I mean, I think it fits because those juicy IPAs usually have a slightly muted right. hop tone to it. So I, sure. I, I think as far as a juicy IPA, it's oh no, it's maybe perfectly. maybe slightly under the hop. That I don't you think get, there's anything wrong with it being but, juicy. I'm just saying for that guy to be like, oh no, that's headaches. what I mean. I'm like you haven't had a truth, but for example, or something. But that's like what that. I mean. You know, these are just as far as IPAs go, kind of on the less mm. hoppy range. For sure. You yeah. know, if you think this is overly hoppy, then like Don't try, try an IPA or try a, a double IPA. I mean, I just, you know, one of them. Uh, he says he says definitely not the beer for me, but I can understand how it might hit the spot for hopheads. Far too bold and uncompromising for my palate. Look, I, I would I would love to drink, uh, you know, Zaftig's Cats in Space, a ten percent double IPA. Give me twice as many hops. I still want to know. 
I'm I'm dying to know what suspended. suspended po- I know what I he was means. Looking in there, he's like, saying this looks like pulp orange juice. Is what he's saying. That's there's what he's definitely no pulp say. in there. No, I just oh, think yeah. because it's cloud. Yeah, the color. They, but that's I mean, yeah, that's your New England or, that, or yeah, juicy. Exactly. IV. It's it's supposed to look that way. Um, Josh, can I ask you a quick question? Yeah, Greg, of course. Have you ever had a drink of a beer and said, "Yes, this is a very tight beer." <laughs> Not, not in the way, not in the way, and I don't know it what the way is that this man meant by tight. I don't like I not imagine. not in there like oh yeah, this beer's tight. Like yeah, I guess but, I've had a, like, I've had a Bud Light Lime on the beach. You know that's pretty like, tight. Oh yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, but I don't know how like how the taste itself is is tight. Like maybe if it's a well, dry. Well, especially when he said it's balanced and tight. Like I feel like if the way I think he's trying to use that, like a brute IPA, happy belated Bootsy. Uh, but like a brute IPA that's kind of like drier and everything. Mm-hmm. You're Maybe using that word, tight. but I don't think you know what it means. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Tight. Gattaca. I gotta, the no. feel, the feel is balanced, but tight. And, and, and that's, but he's saying the feel is balanced, but tight, but the I think suspended pulp isn't a good yeah, look. I think he's being redundant though. I think I'm we need to that. suspend all our pulps and tighten our balance and get back to sports. Okay. Uh, real quick, do you think, because we've done a few beer advocate reviews, normally of uh, some some higher variety malt liqueurs, does this seem like a gentleman that would enjoy he's, himself he's, and review a nice malt liqueur? For sure. that's uh, He's a malt liquor yeah. kind of guy. Yeah. Uh, he's, probably, a, he's, yeah. a, he's a butt-heavy kind of guy, I'm sure of it. Fred does say from Ohio, so you know there's plenty of us out there. And I'm going to have another here Zaftig before we smack this malort. The people at Zaftig probably think we're, I don't know, messed up or deranged or something. Have, finishing off a little Zaftig beer with uh, some I can't special, believe somebody malort. just thought it was a good idea to waste perfectly good bourbon barrels on malort. <laughs> It should be a sin. Oh, we will get to that in just a second. But thankfully, we've got some wonderful Malort, and we've got a wonderful beer from Saftig Brewing. Josh. Did you, by chance, have a good Halloween? I had a great Halloween. What'd you, what'd you do for Halloween? Any, anything fun? Pass out candy? Dress up? I got... Or I got watch any football? I, did, I don't know. I watched football for a little bit and then went to bed early. Why would you go to bed early? There's such I, a great game on. I had a... a I, 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 I couldn't suffer any longer. So uh, we may be getting to it a week late, but we're still going to uh, discuss it. Uh, on the last show, uh, Josh and I had a bet. Uh, we never even got to your side of the bet, what I was going to have to drink, but I agreed to it. Uh, if the Browns beat the Bengals, he was going to have to take a shot of Malort. Actually, uh, between our last show, I went up to sh- Chicago. I actually got us some barrel-aged Malort. So, uh, <laughs> if you've never seen the barrel aged Malort, do know that the uh, little Jepson's shield it uh, has BAM on it. Wait, what? 
Bam. Bam. Emerald Lagasse. Bam. A, Bam. Bam. Barrel aged Malort. Bam. Hmm. But uh, put you right in the grave. Yeah, I think Malort Fest was like last weekend. And so imagine the dirt, different the, the dirt from a grave is what they make it with. Uh the nectar, the nectar of victory. <laughs> uh, as we mentioned, Browns beating the Bengals, thirty-two to thirteen. It was. 25 to nothing. Do, do you mind? At the I, I'll end. start pouring these. Oh, it's your start, bottle. Go for it. Okay. You, go, you can open it. Just go ahead and drink right from the bottle. Can, wait, 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 wait. Though, can you do one th- favor for me? What's that? Can you just take a big sniff and, and tell us what, what, what kind of flavor note you're getting from the bottle? This brand new open barrel aged Malort that I got from Maryville, Indiana. <laughs> now, uh, I'll tell you, this is probably the nicest thing. No, this is the nicest thing I've ever said, probably will ever say about Malort. I just dropped the whole thing. Man. That smells fantastic. Does it? Oh yeah, because it just smells like bourbon. It, it does smell. It smells, <laughs> like, it just smells like, like bourbon. bourbon. It smells, it smells. They didn't fantastic. do anything yeah. to that. They just, they just that's just bourbon. Uh, now I'm a little. You excited. get a little bit of that like potpourri gasoline. Yeah, kind of at too. the end, but <laughs> it does have like a, a little bit of like a lingering Sunoco yeah. going on, but uh, with the sticky floors. Why are the floors always sticky? There? Yeah. Always. Here, uh, if but, you want to uh, continue with the game, I'll pour this out. Uh, just to review the game, 32-13. to uh, 13, uh, First quarter kind of helter-skelter. Uh, some interceptions uh, by Joe Burrow and wide receiver Amari Cooper. Uh, a little bit of uh, weirdness moving the ball. Browns finally got a touchdown. Bengals miss a field goal. Browns get a field goal. 11 to nothing. Because I believe on the extra point there was a false start. Or no, there was too, too many men on the field. A comedy of errors. Uh, Bang- or Browns end up winning 32-13, to undefeated in the 2020s against the Cincinnati Bengals. Jacoby Brissett, 17 for 22, 278 yards and a tutty. Nick Jacoby Chubb, brisket. Guy was hot cooking Jacoby that night. Over 100 yards, like it. two touchdowns. <laughs> Joe Burrow. Might as well burrow his head under the ground after this game. 25 for 35. 232, two touchdowns late, one interception. Uh, Joe Mixon, eight carries for 27 yards. Did have a big game the week after, but uh, bad game. Uh, Before we get into this. Bad game. I got to ask you about something. What's that? And I'm not here to call. You know you can always I'm come not and here talk to, to me. I'm not here to call people out, Zach. You know that. Huh? Oh, I'm, I'm, right. a, I'm a nice, fucking here to call people out. nice, calm. Okay. Uh, so, you know. The Browns won. I was enjoying my day. You know, it's been an up and down season for the Browns. Yeah. Uh, losing some games in some horrendous fashions. Uh, what do I see the next day? But a like tweet from Josh from the Bangalorean. Hey, don't about go. about a holding on Kareem Hunt on a touchdown. Oh no 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 no! Oh no. my god! You've got me what wrong here. You've got me wrong here. Talk. You what got me loser talk. He he is one of these people. Loser talk. He, he doesn't like it when I. It, he he is one of these people that if I like a tweet, it means that like that you, I, I agree you with it. You said it. You felt yeah. it. Yeah. Because I also loser liked, talk. That you took the time and wrote it. Loser also, talk. I also liked Andrew Russell's tweet from two weeks ago where he was listing off the number one receivers, the uh, wide receivers that the Bengals had, including Alex Erickson and Clayton Fedulum. <laughs> yeah. Um, amongst uh, the list. Loser talk. But the reason I, I liked that one because I thought there was an insane that, amount of Bengals fans out there complaining about literally anything else except how shitty their team looked. 
It's just like <laughs> it's loser talk, and you know why I know it's a loser talk? Because you do. Because I'll all be the completely <laughs> Browns fans, similar to myself, do it all the time. Because once again, the Browns are losers. Like it's not. It's what am I gonna say? The team that went one thirty one like five years ago. You know, they're 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 big time winners. But uh, Josh, what were your thoughts after this game? You know, Bengals going to four and four. What, what, I guess, what are your thoughts right now on the Bengals going into the bye week? Five and four. Yeah, yeah. Some ups, some downs. Because I want to get kind of a full view from you. Because it's, it's been an interesting season for the Bengals. Uh, what, starting off 0-2, go losing two winnable games. Boys. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take this shot. Oh, while, we're going to take Craig. the shots right now? I'm going to sip on it more or less. but jumps. Oh, do you want the double glass then? I'll take the double. Yeah. Yeah. I mean that I'm not We're good not at, giving I, him a double. It's just in a double yeah, glass. No, I'm not good at taking shots. I, I can't. So I just. Uh, by the way, just so we're also transparent. Right. One, I'm taking a shot just because I want to try this, Malort. Uh, Zach, Sick being up. the trooper that he is, a lot of respect over here. One of the times that I will give Zach respect. Uh, close game, 7-7 at halftime. Hey, trying to build content for this show. Trying to make sure. We- oh, yeah. 7-7 yeah. <laughs> at halftime. Ohio State Northwestern. Those of you that aren't aware, um, obviously Zach, very big Ohio State fan. A lot of connections to Ohio State. Oh, yeah. uh, my parents, Northwestern grads. So as far we as we would a, have made a bet, but as far as the second team, Northwestern definitely up there. Zach said, "Hey, if Ohio State doesn't beat Northwestern by more than seventeen <laughs> or seventeen or more, I will take a shot." So he took a shot. Uh, <laughs> It, at first, Josh has did, just tried the Malort. Did you? Did you? Uh, did you? I took a sip, and my first reaction was, "Oh, the bourbon really kind of cuts through that a little bit." It does not. <laughs> oh no, no, no! Wait, wait! And as I'm looking at you, I start feeling like I just drank gasoline. It like it lingers there for a minute. Whoa. That's wow! That's nice. That's got a nice little bourbon. No, give start it a minute. It. It, it start, but yeah, but then it comes in. Yeah, right? then it but, and then it tastes like Malort. I don't yeah, know what yeah, you like. Yeah, of course. But of course, it's gonna thought, end like Malort. No, I know. But at first, I thought I was like, man, they really cut it with some bourbon. Now, and then I'm looking at Josh, and he's like, I, I've got a piece to say, but I need to. <laughs> I need to figure out whether I'm just gonna like. <clears throat> I think I'm just gonna take the shot <laughs> here and get it over with because that was fucking foul. <laughs> <laughs> that was terrible. Oh, it's, come it's, on. Like, it's like licking an old tire. It's, it's literally so, like licking an old tire. That's on fire. That's on fire. It's yeah. So bad. It's so bad. My friends and I used to burn tires in the woods, and that's that's. Have you guys ever that's had what it uh, tastes like that smell? Uh, by the way, <laughs> uh, this was started to be, as we mentioned, started to be brewed during Prohibition as a medicinal product. Uh, as a medicinal product. Uh, what, Jepson like, as skirt, a substitute for cyanide. Well, Jepson skirted federal federal regulations. <laughs> take off varnish. That's what it was—a varnish remover. Giving the reoccurring conclusion that nobody would drink his concoction recreationally because it was that bad. It's it's it's. <laughs> Do you know they make a bourbon too? No, like, like a, just a straight bourbon. Yeah, like Jepson's bourbon. I have some. It is, it is really <laughs> bad. Like, I would rather drink Belort over their bourbon. It is really bad. Does it, are they, like, purposely making it bad at this point? Well, this I, is... I guess, yeah, what's the problem? Is a, this is a, Where did they get off? Well, this is a specific uh, kind of drink. 
No, this I know the Malort is, yeah. but then you're just oh, like playing into the... It's a specific type of drink, for sure. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's specifically called a, I'm going to butcher this, a Braskbraven, a traditional Swedish style of bitters. Oh, Braskbraven. Oh, yeah. 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 Huge fan. <laughs> I'm not. No. So, uh, yeah, I think they just tried to, well... The Carl Jemson company no longer produces it. There's a Chicago-based company that, that uh, owns the rights to all of it. But I think it was just someone who had one recipe that was like, we could make another liquor. And it's almost like, it's probably like a Prohibition-style liquor that they made in like a bathtub. Yeah. <laughs> because, yeah, the bourbon is not great. The Malort, um, some people, I the two most, or well, the most common thing that I've heard is it tastes like gasoline. I think it almost kind of has like a, it, it almost tastes like the way potpourri smells. Oh, exactly. I, like I think of it like I, a liquid potpourri. Okay. Very it few burns. It burns like I imagine yeah. gasoline would burn. Yeah, it's got that burn of gasoline with like that liquid potpourri <laughs> yeah, taste. For sure. It is um, normally something that uh, people in Chicago try to get outsiders to try, to try to kind of mess with them. So it's a great one to, uh, you know, I, I, I'll bring it to certain family gatherings, try to get people to try it. So it's it's always a good time there. But uh, it's great for a bet like we have with you two. Yeah. I am also, well, as we mentioned. To bring what? You were going to bring like a Johnny Walker or something for your guys' one bet on text. And I was like, no, that's like way too nice. No, it's supposed to be something Oh, I, like I was going to bring him something from or work. You yeah, were, you were, yeah that's what it yeah. was. I couldn't remember. But I was like, what? Yeah, and I got it. No, I, I keep the Johnny Walker myself. I figured. I, you know what I mean. It, one of you. Yeah, I was being generous. I was being nice. You were being super generous, right. and I stepped in and said no. And and because <laughs> here's here's my and getting back to getting back to the game, the Browns Bengals game at least, is that this is turning into this weird thing, and 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 I can and I can look at it from the football side and look at it to yep. and know that seeing this version of the Browns and this version of the Bengals, it's a bad matchup for the Bengals. I mean, how many games have been started now in the past two years with Miles Garrett influencing some huge, huge swing of the game? I believe turnover? I believe the quarterback that is that Miles Garrett has sacked the most is Joe Burrow. Yeah, I mean With, he. I mean also, it's just a good matchup. I mean, bad offensive line. Well, it brings up a point that uh, I thought was kind of interesting. Uh, I believe. Uh, Stefanski, computer, good Zach, uh, good, good right? secondary. There, well, there's the a coaching in general. There's a Twitter account, uh, I believe it's Computer Cowboy, Ooh. who uh, puts together how the offensive lines are. And the Bengals' interior offensive line, you know, they picked up Karras and whatnot, is actually ranking near the top of, well, at least like upper half of offensive lines in the <laughs> NFL. There are two tackles, though. Jonah Williams and Lyle Collins, you were very excited about that Lyle Collins pickup, have been was, awful. But he's, yeah, he's been, he's been terrible. Those two have been terrible. Not Obviously, as bad as, not as bad as, oh my God, not as bad as Jonah Williams. Jonah Williams, if I could, I don't think I've ever disliked, I try not to dislike players, but like he's reaching Bobby Hart levels for me. Well, where it's just so it, it almost looks like there's no effort whatsoever. And and one of the big plays in the first half, you know, Browns are up eight to nothing. Bengals are are getting into field goal range, trying to convert a third and like six. Uh backup defensive end Isaiah Thomas just gives him a little like you know 
basically brings down his arm, the little like punch through move. Jonah Williams completely basically <clears throat> just loses him. He sacks him. It's a longer field goal for Evan yeah. McPherson. Misses it. Browns get a field goal. It goes from eight to three, or maybe even you know getting a first down to I think eleven nothing. I don't know. My impression. I did. Well, yeah, you know, we watched that game. My impression, and I just think that was joking about Stefanski so much higher than Zach Taylor. But come on, is that not an indictment on the coaching staff though? That you're you you you're, you're running hot. You lose one guy who is. Yes, I think, uh, it, I think it is a little bit because it's, they lose. Don't be wrong, and, and probably one of the best receivers in the league. You can make the argument, but you can't let everything. Everybody else is there, and you still have Deb. You can't let everything just come crashing down and offensively you were because playing, he's not there. You were playing a, a defense that had been, you know, pretty much ripped apart by, you know, every team running, and they couldn't run the ball. I mean, you know. You could say the Browns were also missing, you know, have been missing their top corner for the last three or four weeks mm-hmm. in, uh, you know, Denzel Ward. So you had some backup players out there. And it just, the one thing that, you know, it came back to, I think, is still just the offensive line. The Browns were getting pressure on the outside, getting tackles, you know, right at the line of scrimmage or, or getting, you know, I think Joe Burrow had about a second less from snap to throw than Jacoby Brissett did. And you could tell Jacoby mm-hmm. Brissett was finding some like third option oh, yeah. completions. Guy was yeah. super comfortable. And Burrow would get one look and then have to figure it out from there. Well, it- I, I think when you like look at the coaching aspect of it, it does make me wonder like in games like that, it seems like they back themselves into a corner so much on coaching that where they like they don't really give themselves the creativity with their schemes at all. But then you look into a game like Carolina and you saw so much creativity within the playbook, just getting different guys involved using so many different types of, that's what I, my favorite thing about the game this past Sunday in contrast to the Browns game is there were so many different type of running plays, but different type of RPOs, different types of outside runs, different jet sweeps with, Different guys that they haven't used before. Yeah. Um, and and, and you, they had a lot of success with that. And you look at this Bengals team, and, you know, they, they at times, obviously, beginning of the season, they look like crap. Looked <clears> really <throat> good offensively against both the Jets and the Dolphins. Didn't look good against the Ravens, up and down against the Saints, but then good against the Falcons, bad against the Browns, <laughs> amazing against the Panthers. But as, I mean, you, as you struggle through that Malort shot. But look, you mean a team on their second coach this season? Yeah, Carolina Panthers. But I, I guess looking third at, quarterbacks, looking at them for the rest of the season. Obviously, going into the bye week at five and four, same place they were last year. Uh, the one thing that is difficult for them: zero and three in the division, which really mm-hmm. puts them behind the eight ball. Their uh, what? Their last their last eight games, I guess. Uh, you know, not a whole lot of mediocre teams. You know, you got the Steelers, who you already lost to, but they're not great. Obviously, you don't know about how the Browns are going to be. The Buccaneers have been up and down. The Patriots have been up and down. But you have the Titans, the Chiefs, the Bills, the Ravens. You, you know, you have a lot of slip-ups here. Josh, What are, one, what do you think they need to go in order to you know, safely be in the playoffs. Do you think they need to go five and three, get to that 10 and seven 
And two, what do you think they will do going into the second half of the season? Because it is a difficult second half, you know. It is. Closing out, once again, the one thing that's tough about finishing top of the division is you got to play those first place teams the next year in the Titans and the Chiefs. Yeah. Well, and you got you got three first place teams from last year. Well, actually, four, including the Bucks. You got the Bills, Bucks, Chiefs, and Titans who all won the division last year. I'm curious to see how they. I think it's going to come down to the last two games for the Bengals. I'm pretty confident in that. Um, I, I don't see them losing to Pittsburgh a second time. Um, I, I, I don't know. I Jamar Chase should be. It should be back for the Kansas City game if if everything uh, goes uh, the way they want it to, I'd say. I'm not as worried as I think most people would have been about Tampa Bay at the beginning of the season. We'll see, obviously. But there are, you know, there are matchups that concern me. Like, the, uh, the even though I say they should win the Pittsburgh game, that is another defensive matchup that concerns me. Uh, New England was also a game that I could just see them you know, two games on the road there. Well, that that's almost the game that that's like the Bengals secondary is scorched, scorched right now. That's a game that I could see them just getting out coached by Belichick. You know, Belichick figures out something that because the one thing that I think you and I can both agree, Zach Taylor has not done this roster any help. You know, this no. roster is definitely no. a better team than Zach Taylor's allowing them to be. Oh, yeah. I think as far as coaching staff, 100%. I think Lou Anaromo has done or. Yeah, Luana Romo has done very good. Dealing with a lot of injuries on the defensive end, I you know you don't want to overstate that, but I, I think it's going to be really difficult for them to go over five hundred here. You know, I I think I had them at nine and eight or something coming in. You know, I think it's going to be the challenge is there. is you bring mm-hmm. up the coaches. I would bring up the quarterbacks. I mean, look at just the situation, just the way things have unfolded in the beginning of the season for other teams. You look at the quarterbacks that the Bengals have played. You know, Pittsburgh week one was all over the place for them and had uh, Trubitsky for most of the time. Then you roll into Dallas with Cooper Rush. Yep. Uh, Then with the Jets, it was... Yeah, Joe Flacco. Yeah, Joe Flacco, which was completely unexpected. Then Miami, of course, we all know what happened then with Tua and all that and everything. So that was kind of a whirlwind. Then you had Lamar Jackson, which was as as planned for. But then you had Andy Dalton, of all people. And then Marcus Mariota, and then Jacoby Brissett, who you're not going to have next time you play the Browns. So this whole back end of, you know, you have all these backup quarterbacks and all these yeah. randos in the first yeah. half. Now in the second half, you're looking, well, who knows what will go on with Pittsburgh. And then Tennessee, that's also a bit of an anomaly. But then you're going to have Patrick Mahomes. You should have Deshaun Watson, Tom Brady, Mac Jones. Should have Josh. We'll we'll see about Josh Allen, although that's in in limbo right now. And then Lamar Jackson again to finish the season in both those games at home against Buffalo and Baltimore to finish the season uh, are both you know fixing to be primetime games. Buffalo for sure Monday Night Football and Bengals Baltimore uh, Bengals Ravens for that last game in uh, Week 18 could definitely get flexed. So there's just a lot of like different situations where they're actually going to be challenged by those elite quarterbacks in those primetime spots and not so much of those, which they have lost to, kind of backup yeah. quarterbacks, teams kind of scrambling to figure yeah. out what they're doing that week. Yeah, if you look at, you know, right now, who is the starter? Because right now, P.J. Walker is still the starter. They'll 
the Panthers basically have three backups. Really, the only two teams that you played a majority of a game against that have their, or the, yeah, the two teams, uh, the Falcons and um, the Ravens. Everybody else really playing their backup quarterback. Um, so I, I guess to finish up on the Bengals before we pivot to the Browns, uh, first question, I guess, for both of you guys. End of, end of the regular season, 17 games in, eight games more, you know, five and four right now. Clock strike zero in the Ravens game. What's the Bengals record? And is it good enough to make the playoffs? What are we at? Five and four right now. Mm. No, I'm going to say nine and eight. No. You think maybe just on the outside looking in? Maybe. Yeah. We're right, just, right in that. I don't buy, like I said before, and I said it last year, they made that run in spite of Zach Taylor last year. I don't buy it. He, he needs to give up control. I, no. I'm going and and the question is, you know, if you lose. And they don't have depth. If you lose places. another division game or something, <clears throat> when it comes to tiebreakers at the end, if you're two and four in the, you know, the Browns, I know in, you know, 2007, lost based off divisional record. Um, Josh, what about you? What, where, where do you see the Bengals? I'm gonna say I'm gonna say nine and eight, but I you know I will point out that some of those other favorites for you know wild card spots are are also faltering a lot right now. Um, I mean even leaders. I mean the AFC East is yes or no, Josh? Are they making the playoffs? Oh, was that the was that (laughs) no first one? First one was was record. Then it was are they making the playoffs? Okay. Oh, okay. Okay. Uh, it but yeah, I was getting there. Uh, because all these other teams are kind of faltering, I do think that yep. they could uh, still get in as Sneak a wild in. card. I think that they've put themselves in a really tough position to win the division. Yeah, I think nine and eight is going to be really tough to make. Once again, you know, you have three teams in the AFC East that all have six wins. Uh, the Chargers at five and three. You know, I I think they finish. What I think they finish nine and eight, maybe ten and seven. I had nine and eight at the beginning of the year, so I think they do. I think they finish nine and eight, and I think they lose based off the divisional record. My next question would be, I guess, kind of a twofold question. One. That was a twofold question uh, before. Yeah, another twofold question. If they miss the playoffs, one, is it a failure of a season? And two, is Zach Taylor gone because of it? Because, you know, you could say last year was an anomaly. This year is just some growing pains. Mike Brown doesn't like to switch coaches. Or is it a failure and Zach Taylor's out and, you need to reset things. Uh, yeah, I, I would I would consider it a failure, uh, but I I would be shocked if Zach Taylor were let go. Really, I, mm. I I would agree with you. I think based on everything, based on expectations coming into the season, missing the playoffs would be a failure. But I would still put it at probably seventy thirty that he stays. The only thirty would be someone with actual intelligence. You know, like they have in the past, which is why I wouldn't put it more yeah. getting, uh, no, I'll, I'll, I mean, 60, how many... I'll go, I'll go 60, 40, actually 60. He stays 40 with some of the changes that they've made. I believe there's a chance that they, you know, fire Zach Taylor and get someone of actual use in the building. What about you, Zach? Oh yeah. It's definitely a failure if they don't make it. And I, I know it's the Brown fail. I know, but he's gone. He's gone. Come on. You know, four years he was six and twenty. How many, how many head years. coaches have you they guys had, had of your teams in your lifetime? My lifetime. Uh, let's see. I can't remember his name before Holmgren. Holmgren. 
Ray Rhodes for a year, Mike Sherman. <laughs> I know you're and then Mike McCarthy. Malice. So I'm on six. Okay. All right. So uh Bill Belichick was the coach the first year. Jesus. Then they were gone for four years. I forget the name of the guy who was when they were first back. Then it was Butch Davis. This whole list then it was, is like wait, do, a do whole inter- other podcast series. Do, do interim yeah. coaches count? No. But okay. my uh, point is then DJ Romeo. Uh Oh, crap. oh no! Who wait, was, who was after DJ? There was someone before me. There have been like twelve. Actually, I'm sorry, it's five. Because yeah, Mike Holmgren was the coach. I forgot he was hired in '82. So never mind. Yeah, Mike Holmgren's the five. Yeah, so I, I I just got on on the third. So yeah, I don't know, but he's just. I look Marvin Lewis. I didn't. I I got why they hung around with him. Because he changed it. the culture. Like yeah, it's literally yeah. the same thing. But it's the Zach same Taylor thing. Doesn't do. Yeah, exactly. He didn't bring anything, and he's holding them back. If anything. Oh yeah. Opinion. He's. I mean, look at all his prior coaching. So the fact that he Here's got the it. Thing. And, if he, he would just give up the play up calling everywhere. If he, if he would just give up so. the play calling. You and I, give and, up and the I will say, calling. like I loved, I loved what they did, and that's that's what I am so hung up on the Bengals with right now. So not is that um is that you look at Carolina. In that game, the playbook was so creative, and they did so many. They got yeah. so many, like, of such a variety of players involved. In such a, they they did a great job at stretching the defense because they were running so many different types of plays. Right. There was a lot of creativity to it, and they seem to really excel at that when they go in playing bad teams. But when they go in playing, he like, gets out schemed. Yeah, when they go in like playing like good teams that like it's gonna be like a challenge. Like he he he, he like much... he like overthinks it and gets yeah. way out coached. They, he needs to give up play calling dudes. I think a lot of Matt Lafleur probably needs to do. I think yeah. Yeah. All right. So since I've been born, uh, including uh, interims thirteen, not including interims eleven, including interims since nineteen. 19- <laughs> Since I was born in 1995, how many Browns coaches have had winning records? One. What do you say? Yeah, one. Uh, Wait, it, including interims? Including interims. Two. Yeah, yeah, it's it's one active or it's <laughs> one non-interim, one interim. Greg Williams was five and three. Yeah. Oh my god! And Kevin Stefanski <laughs> is twenty and fifteen. Uh, Bill Belichick. Williams. Was uh thirty seven and forty five, uh let's see, uh Butch Davis was twenty four and thirty six, uh Hugh Jackson was three thirty six and one, <laughs> so there you go, uh but switching over to the Browns, uh the Browns finally snapped their four game losing streak, getting a win versus the Bengals, uh getting themselves to three and five going into the bye week. Uh, wins right now over the Panthers, Steelers, and Bengals. Uh, once again, some horrific losses. Uh, loss to the Jets. But I don't want to. I don't want to replay that. Falcons by three. Chargers on a missed field goal. Ravens on a. I'll call it loser talk. OPI that should not have been called. So a lot of stuff has happened. But right now, uh, four or five losses by three points or less. But three and five coming out of the bye. Next three games, the last three games before Deshaun Watson comes back, probably the biggest three games of the season. Mm. Uh, at Miami, at Buffalo, versus the Bucks. I will be at the Bucks game. Uh, right now, Josh Allen has a UCL injury. Uh, could be interesting there. Buccaneers have been up and down. 
once Deshaun comes back, <clears throat> last six games. UCL. I'm not even gonna say it. Never mind. Last six games are three divisional games. Uh, two of them on the road at Bengals, at Steelers mm-hmm. versus Ravens, and then Texans, Saints, Commanders. So a lot of chances for some wins. Big stretch here, though. Probably go need to go. On us, probably man. need to go two and one to save the season here. Dolphins, Bills, Buccaneers. I will say the Browns have played horrendously at times this year. Uh, decent times this year. The offense has been much better than I thought. The defense has been much worse than I thought. Um, you know, obviously losing a lot of winnable games. I think uh, a four and four record, you would feel a lot better about having a chance going forward. Oh yeah. Uh, but I will say this stretch terrified me because this was part of the stretch. This in the Bengals game was part of the stretch that. Uh, originally when the Deshaun Watson suspension came down was he was going to play because it was, I think, seven games mm-hmm. and then turned into him not playing. The last six games, as you mentioned, Texans are a dumpster fire. Saints have Andy Dalton. The commanders are the commanders. Yeah. And then you have... Well, I can't say. You know. Yeah. Then you have, you know, the Bengals, the Ravens, the Steelers. There's some winnable games here, but... Looking at three and five, can you know if the Browns don't win any, their season's done. If they win one, they're basically on life support. Mm-hmm. This big three-game series, or, you know, this big three-game stretch, can the Browns get one, even two? Zach, once again, playing a Buccaneers team that's been very down, a Bills team that might not have Josh Allen, and a Dolphins team that has. Struggled a little bit with both Detroit and Chicago. Yeah. Which, who you're very familiar with, you know, because your team just lost to Detroit. Just remember that. In Detroit. First of all, lost to the Lions. The Lions play amazing in Detroit, by the way. So they actually were kept below their season average. But, um, so you're asking me about how many many they'll win the next three games? Yeah, how many Uh, they'll win the next three games? I gave a shot when two or three. I'd actually be a little disappointed if you're the Browns right now. If you, don't win two of three after the way you played against the Bengals. Maybe that's a turning point right now that you need. Um, make no mistake, the Browns, and I'm not saying this in a bad I, they remind me of the Packers. To some, there, there's a lot of talent in places, so it's like it's, it's not a lack of talent. Maybe maybe some depth issues at some certain spots, but it's not like a talent. Um, I mean, the Packers played the Especially Bills. Especially linebacker. I was actually very shocked by the Lions because the Packers played the Bills tough. A couple more plays go their way. They might have won that game. And I'm just saying, I think... Between those three, I don't buy the Dolphins. I don't buy the Buccaneers. Talk about another train wreck in a lot of ways. Um, and the Bills, if they don't have Josh yeah, Allen, are Bills, a completely uh, yeah, different a team. Very, they're very, all predicated on the pass. Exactly. So I, I don't see why they could win two. If they're out, yeah, again, I'd be disappointed if they didn't fire them. Uh, Josh, what about you? Yeah, I think they they definitely have at least one um, in Tampa Bay who has one of the worst uh, rushing defenses in the NFL right now. Um, but, I mean, there's been plenty of times where I've flipped on the Browns game this year and been like, why aren't you? Who's that yeah. Nicholas Chubb over there? Like what they did against the Packers yeah. last year where you're like, why would they not just keep running them? No! <laughs> Baker, throw more picks. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, I mean, even Miami's in the middle of the pack on that too. So I could definitely see them if they, if, you know, Chubb has good days and they stick to 
what they are, they should, they should be able to pick up two wins there. Oh, for sure. All right, then you got uh, you know Deshaun back uh, for the last six games this season. As we mentioned, a lot of winnable games. Uh, you know, a lot of chances to make some noise. Um, obviously, he's going to be a big key. Also, the defense. Defense looked a lot better against the Bengals. Uh, I think, yeah, 13 points is by far uh, the least number of points they've given up this year. Uh, side of that, 23 to the Ravens the week before, 24 to the Panthers. So it's, or I guess they gave up 17 to the Steelers. But for the most part, the defense has started to look better the last mm-hmm. couple of weeks after a couple of, you know, really tough games, Chargers, Patriots. So I think the defense is going to be huge, obviously relying heavily on, you know, Chubb, Hunt, all those guys, especially when Deshaun Watson gets back. But they're getting healthier. You know, Owusu Kormoa should be back. Jerome Ford and Chase Winovich getting activated off IR coming into the next week. So, you know, some chances to definitely get better. Uh, nine games left in the season, three and five. Uh, final record prediction, Josh. For the Browns and, and I guess playoffs, if you think they'll they'll play well enough to be above five hundred, if they're under, then I, there's no chance. But you know, yeah, I, 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 I don't know. Maybe they, I, I think they could win another four games, but I, I don't think they can win the playoff or make the playoffs. I just don't think. Uh, so you're thinking seven and ten, basically four and five coming in. Yeah, because I just think there's definitely going to be a. I'm surprised it's not being talked about more because Watson's <clears throat> what eligible to practice on next week, next Monday. Yeah, next Monday he's he's back in practice. There's going to be a shift in. Like a guy like a guy like that isn't going to just come in and like everything's just going to no. like roll on. Plus, plus... And the dude hasn't played in... The, the, the shitstorm's been simmering. The media shitstorm has been simmering. I don't Not think even that. I mean, the guy just hasn't that. played. No, like I Well, that, but I'm saying on top of that... Yeah, now there's going to be a lot more stop. Now we've been asking the, the guys in the locker room about that. What well, guys don't want to hear... Think about any other big story like when Michael... Like, guys don't want to hear yep. that shit. And probably, they're probably guys who aren't cool with it, to be honest. But they yeah. don't want to talk about it. And yeah, it, but. and with him not in the facility, you can't really ask any more questions because there's nothing new that yeah. people are gonna know. It's just gonna well, be in, a whole in, thing. In, so, like he's coming, he's scheduled to come back when they're in Houston. Of course. So it's like yeah. the media is gonna be oh, like gonna it's be all, all gonna be. All all I that. just I just think and there's. I would say you know that he has his first three games out of his six games are definitely the toughest. Back yeah. in Houston, which is should be an easy win, but back in you know coming back to Houston isn't too easy, and then you have. You know, Cincinnati and Baltimore. You have another road game against Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. Cincinnati is obviously going to go all in on. I mean, their fans are, uh, but you know, they're going to go all in on him as much as they can. Oh yeah, for and sure. then it's going to be brutal. He'll, you know, but definitely their two toughest games their last six. What I would say are, are the Bengals and the Ravens. So, where do you put the Browns at coming in to the end of the season? You know. Season ends. W- Being what's optimistic, and I think this is optimistic to some extent because I, I think he's a bit of a sociopath and it's not going to bother him. So I think he, once he shakes the rough stuff, you know, Watson has a chance to elevate. I think they can win two of three. 
uh, with brisket. So, you know, I'm thinking, I think an eight and nine miss the, obviously miss the playoffs. Um, something to build up that, that, that to me is like, I, I was going down the remaining games. I was like, I just couldn't find a way to get you a few more games. In my opinion, I was like, there's just going to be no. Uh, I, I'm actually going to, I know you're going to go. They're not going to, no, I'm, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to agree with you. <laughs> no. I think, oh, you're going eight, nine, I right? think they're going to win a game or two that you don't expect, yeah. lose a game or two that you don't expect. Cause that's kind of been the Browns MO recently. You know, maybe they'll, maybe they'll beat the bills, but then they'll lose to, you know, Washington right. or something like that. So I, I think they finish eight and nine. I think coming into the season, that's where I said, you know, have some hope coming into next year. I, you know, some people have, uh, I've talked to, to some people that are, you know, trying to say, well, is there going to be any shakeup? Mm. Aside of maybe defensive coordinator, there's nothing because, you know, everybody else on the coaching staff, GM, they pretty much got a free year with Watson because they could, you know, you could talk yourself into well, if, very- if Watson started week one, we beat the Jets, Falcons, Chargers. Yeah, right? oh, you yeah, know, yeah. we're we're six and two at this point, and we finish, you know, eleven the coaching and six staff or something. For sure. So. GM, I think you're gonna be on the hot seat though, because I, I, you well, know the houses are taking shit. So like, bear like this thing better work out uh, yeah, next I, I, year. What's what Barry just recently went on this whole thing where he was just like done with the Stefanski question, and it was like we have our full trust. In this no, guy. I think the coaching staff's no. fine, but I'm saying Andrew Barry, like I think he's on the hot seat think, next year yeah. if that team doesn't perform. I think and everybody you put the organization through all this. Yeah. shit. Yeah. I think everybody might be on the hot seat next year, yeah, but I sure. think this year you kind of get yeah. a pass. So it's it's looking like, for the most part, we're thinking the entire state of Ohio basically goes 500 <coughs> and uh, no playoffs. So a little bit... Bubble. We're a fringe state. A little bit disappointing. Like like Ohio normally is a little bit disappointing and, uh, <laughs> you know, right on the bubble. A little surprising, a little more fun than you thought, but also very disappointing. <laughs> oh, look at that. So uh, before before we move to uh, the end of our show, uh, Josh, going into the regu- going into the end of the season, what's one big change that you'd like to see from either the Browns or the Bengals? Uh, for for the Browns, it's it's well, I guess for both of them, it's more sticking to their identities. You know, for the Browns, you know, in some of these big games where you're going up against some of the uh, more elite quarterbacks and you feel like you also have to air it out or you have to match their offensive production, trust in your defense and run the ball mm-hmm. uh, for the Bengals, you know, it get some of those other guys involved. Like the stuff they did with Trent Taylor this past weekend was so good. I loved some of that creativity and the different types of plays that they called. Show us, show us that, show us that. I, I I'm from Sean uh, or Sean McVay's coaching tree and I'm this creative offensive mind every three to four weeks for one hour or two Uh, do that more what about you zach what are are the big changes you'd like to see out of the browns and the Bengals at the end of the year you can throw in a packers one if you'd like to too packers i mean they i don't know not even go down that road that's a whole mind fuck um yeah i think for the Bengals, i think again and i talked about harped on it a million times I really think they could be a little more dynamic. Zach, I think he's a great dude. Just hand the reins off to somebody else that's not working. Last year, you can't sit. I don't know if he. they all fell into this 
thing of, well, we got to the Super Bowl, so it must have been working. No, the defense yes. got you there, and Jamar Chase made, with Joe Burrow, some outstanding individual plays to get you there. It's not what's happening. The offense in general, and maybe they found something against Carolina. The thing I don't buy into that is it's Carolina. Anytime a team's and on their second their, head coach like, and hold defense. Yeah, they staff. fired their defensive line coach and their Baker linebacker. Baker Mayfield's coach. cool with being a backup there. I don't know what that should tell you. Like, I don't know. It's a weird, like, I don't, maybe maybe they did, but I, I don't buy it off that one game. What I saw against the Browns was honestly utterly, I would say this. It was worse than anything I've seen from even my team as an individual performance of just guys just like, he needs to focus on one thing. That would be what I'd like to see. I think that's their that's their opportunity. He needs to do something different. Um, the Browns, I don't know. You're, you're, the Browns are in this mode of just sitting and waiting for Deshaun. Like I said, I guess yeah, go win two of your next three, and maybe you're in a position that you can go on a big run. I don't I don't know if there's anything different right now, in my opinion, that changes the trajectory other than Deshaun. And again, I think it's going to be a media headache for at least a few weeks, a couple weeks, to it's how rusty is he? It's been two years practically. So what is he now? I don't care what he was then. So I don't know. It'll be interesting. I guess that that's your change coming. Is it going to be for better or worse? Allegedly. <laughs> yes, allegedly. Um, yeah. So I don't really have a change. I don't know. What do you think, Greg? Uh, so starting with the Bengals, I, I think the easiest change for them, just based on, you know, what I've seen this year is just get your playmakers the ball. You know, yep. you, you try to yep. run all these like Simplified intricate plays, yep. you know, T Higgins is, is electric with the ball. Obviously Jamar Chase is, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Joe Mixon. I, I, I'm not really high on, I, I think they, I think you need to get a back that can catch the ball and block in the backfield. Even though Joe Mixon had 50 fantasy points, I think you need a guy like Chris Evans in the backfield that can catch the ball and block. So I yeah, think unfortunately you that need ship to sail this season. Yeah. I think you need to figure out something in the backfield, but I think you just need to simplify the offense and get playmakers the ball in space. Because Joe Burrow can't throw forty yard passes to Jamar Chase if he's getting sacked when Jamar Chase is ten yards up the field. Uh for the Browns, obviously run the ball is big, you know, control the clock, but I think just Simplify your defense. I think there have been too many defensive lapses, too much, you know, garbage. You got Jadavian Clowney and Miles Garrett rushing the quarterback. You get help in the middle. You get guys covering their zones on defense. You try to limit big plays, keep the ball in front of you, allow your offense to do what they do, and you'll be in a lot of these games and hopefully have enough to get across the line. And, you know, if the Browns can do that, then they can be really good in the second half of the season. Obviously, Deshaun is is a huge unknown. Uh, you know, his, like, one preseason game, he was up and down, but that was, like, once again, a preseason game. Be interesting to see what he looks like coming back. But I think if you can take care of the defense and take care of running the ball, then I think whoever can play quarterback for you and you can still be successful. You can hit some easy receivers, you can play good defense, and Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt can lead you to victory.
All right. We want to thank you once again for listening to another edition of 30 Rack of Sports. We finish the show as we always do, giving our shout outs. Want to give three quick shout outs. One to Zaftig Brewing, their IPA, their Juicy Lucy IPA. Number two to our fans. Thank you so much for listening to another edition of 30 Rack of Sports. We appreciate it. We enjoy having a beer and yelling at each other about sports. It's some of the highlights of our week. Number three, want to give a shout out to the good sports of the group. My two co-stars, Zach oh. and Josh, oh. doing some shots of Malort. We're having a good time over here. You know what? Mm. Builds content, builds character. Really enjoy it. For sure, for sure. Uh, we're going to finish off with our personal shout outs. Uh, Josh, I believe you've got one in the realm of NASCAR? Oh, yeah. Oh yeah, and this was this was from two weeks ago because uh, this past weekend was their uh, their championship, uh, and I guess shout out to Joey Logano for winning his second NASCAR championship. Slowy Slogano. Uh, but my real shout out is going to Ross Chastain, who is driver that I haven't really heard of before, uh, but he pulled off one of the the craziest stunts that uh you'll ever see um and i'll show it to you guys here but basically pulled off like a video game move yeah he runs right into the wall and just passes everybody to win yeah, he or to get like second they're on a short track so he just floors it going as fast yeah. as he can rides the wall <laughs> around everyone that's awesome basically gains like 12 spots and at the very end the last guy he passes denny hamlin he bumps Denny Hamlin out of the top four spots of the top four drivers that would advance to the yeah. next race for to be the only four drivers to compete for the championship. He basically like made that move to be in that top four. Damn! So, Put your nuts on the table. Say, yeah. Hey, I mean, <laughs> from from like eleven spots down too. Uh, so yeah, that's just uh, laying it out there, oh, trying yeah. a video game move, and it works in real life. Very rarely does that uh, actually happen in real sports where you try a video rarely, game move rarely, and, it, yeah, and it actually works out. So shout out to Ross Chastain. Uh, from NASCAR to NCAA Division Three basketball. Ooh. Hell yeah. Uh, my shout out goes to uh, a team that lost 123-38 to 38 on Monday afternoon. James Madison beat... Uh, Valley Forge College. Valley Forge. Uh, 123 to 38 Monday afternoon. Their coach, younger than all three of us on the podcast, 26 year old TJ Hardeman Jr. No baller. Uh, he is a 26 year old kindergarten teacher who had to get a sub so he could go to the game on Monday afternoon. Go from Pennsylvania to Virginia to coach against JMU. Lost the game, but <laughs> that's a, what a that's baller. 26-year-old D3 coach, <laughs> kindergarten teacher, and NCAA coach. Shout out to TJ Hardeman Jr. Whoa. Well, going from Division three basketball. Potentially. Johnny B. Baker. I'm shocked no one else wanted to shout him out. Finally. Oh, never. Both of you are salty about. Oh, I look. He's a great man. He's a great person. Ask Mark Pryor if he's a great person. 
Well, yeah, he's he's the death knell of every pitcher ever, and Kerry Wood, I think, would jump on that too. But as much as I hated the Astros winning the World Series, I was like, you know, at least Dusty finally got that ring. By the way, everybody makes like he did win a ring as a player. People forget that, but finally, as a manager, it's been it's been like three thousand almost well, almost four thousand like, almost yeah, it's 4, been like thirty games. something games, yeah, thirty yeah, something 4, years. Games. Finally, uh, he's been in three other World Series before this. Finally got a ring. Um, so if anybody's looking for one little positive out of the Astros and Jose Altuve acting like, we won two and he never won two. But Dusty finally got one. Congrats to a legend. And, and you know, even though he's a guy that I have some negative feelings against, is, you know, one of the nice, yeah. one of the nice guys. I mean, he's a good he's guy. He's the guy that the Astros hired to kind of repair their image. You know, he was a guy that even when they were winning, he was still writing in the scorebook what was going on. Exactly. Uh, you know, uh, what made it to the World Series with the Giants, almost did it with the Cubs. I know, you know, he's, he's coached like half the teams in the MLB. Oh, I think the the wildest stat from that whole thing is that Dusty, when he made his managerial debut on April 6th, 1993, against the St. Louis Cardinals, their leadoff hitter, the Cardinals for that day, was Geronimo Pena. Jeremy, Jeremy Pena is the World Series MVP, yep. his father. <laughs> 29 well, you know, years, 29 years you remember, later. You remember uh, JT Snow saving uh, old Darren Baker? You know what Darren Baker is? He played in the Futures game this past year. Oh, at, yeah. At 20, oh, he's yeah, 20, that's he's, right. He's yeah. 23 years old. So kind of crazy. Yeah, that's ah, funny, though. That's baseball, wild. man. Base, that only happens in baseball. Ah, Baseball, NASCAR, Division Three basketball, and baseball. Warms the heart. That's how we do it. <laughs> Here on 30 Rack of Sports, once again, want to give a shout-out to Zaftig Brewing. All the listeners of 30 Rack of Sports. And sports, just in general. Sports! That'll do it for us on 30 Rack of Sports. See you next week for some more sports, some more beer, some more takes. For Zach, on the opinions, good, bad, or otherwise. See ya. For Josh, on the ones, twos. And losing Malort bets. I hate you, Chicago. I'm Greg. Thank you so much for listening to 30 Rack of Sports. Browns? No.